0: Being a better human means understanding that your priorities don't have to match everyone else's priorities. Do you ever feel like you are the only one living a life that is too hard to handle? Welcome to the In Raw
1: Life podcast, where we're gonna talk about real life in its raw form. Each week, we'll dive into the stuff that nobody really likes to talk about because it's uncomfortable, painful, a little awkward, or just weird. We want to normalize all of that and help you realize that you can live out your dream even in life's messiness. I'm Sierra. And I'm Jessica. And we're living our dream lives in real life,
0: in raw life.
1: Welcome back to the In Raw Life podcast. This is part two of why are we terrible to our mothers? This is the podcast where we talk about the messiness of life, the real stuff that happens in life, the stuff that nobody really wants to talk about sometimes, but it's really, really important to talk about. This is the In Raw Life podcast. Last week, we talked about my research into this mother-daughter relationship or mother and child relationship, and we ventured into my childhood and growing up into adulthood relationship with my mom. This week, we have a special guest, but first, we are going to talk to Sierra about her relationship with her mom. Ooh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I can feel it. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is the real fun stuff to talk about, isn't it? It is. Hey, I was a jerk to my mom. Yeah,
1: exactly. But you know, it's cathartic, and it feels good to talk about it. Okay, Sierra. I know this is fun. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mom when you were a little one?
0: Okay. So when I was a kid, my relationship with my mom was pretty amazing. I loved, my mom was like my hero. I mean, she was a single mom and I saw my dad every other weekend. So I was with her constantly And like I said earlier in an earlier episode that I, my biggest fear was her dying before me. I, I wanted to be with her constantly because she was my everything. And that carried through, through our move to Florida. There were times that kind of like the same, I guess, reverse of what you were talking about with your parents. There were times that my dad was mean to my mom and I hated it. It, I didn't like my dad for that reason because I, I mean, I have a great relationship with him now, but the, in those moments of being a real human and not a real great one, I was so mad at him because you don't, nobody talks to my mom that way. But there was a bit of role reversal early on through my therapy sessions. I have realized, I think around age seven, there was a moment where So my mom dated a lot of guys and we lived with a lot of guys and one guy, we were only with him for six months and he was terrible and he owned a bar. I don't know if he was an alcoholic, but he was just an all around jerk. And there was one moment that he, this was before my dad was ever, had ever really been mean to her in front of me, but this guy, he just was picking on her. He was making fun of her and he was trying to pull me into his joke And I always, you know, we always picked on each other and like we joked around a lot when we lived with this guy for six months. So normally I joked with him, but in this case, he was just being really mean to my mom. And I remember getting defensive and being like, you don't talk about my mom that way. Of course, I didn't say it. I was only seven, but like in my heart, I was just like, how can you talk about her like that? And I was, I was so, I was so mad at him for it. And my mom and I ended up leaving that night going camping with my uncle. I was going to say going over to his house, but we didn't. We went camping. And so uh, it was such a weird, this was like a really weird part of my childhood. (laughs) But in that moment, I can see this transition where I, I became, in my head, I had to protect my mom. So that kind of set up a foundation of instability as I got older. But it wasn't until I was... 13, that after we'd moved to Florida and everything, I went through another marriage with her. When she got with the man that she's still married to now, I was only 13 and I did not like him. They did not know how to do a blended family. And it was like a bomb went off in our perfect little world of being a best friend, mother and daughter.
1: Hmm. It's really interesting hearing you talk about it like that because I never really... I don't think I ever understood that about your childhood, how you felt about your mom when she was your hero. And it's kind of really beautiful to hear. And I know I've heard a lot of different friends throughout their lives. You just happened to realize earlier that our moms are also humans. And thank goodness that some of them are our heroes and that we look at them like that. And all of them really are in their own different ways. But realizing that they're human is really... Important to I think. So. Well,
0: I don't think that I realized that she could make mistakes at a young age. I just, I just saw other people being mean to her, and that was not okay in the little brain of Sierra. And I was going to do something about it. Gosh darn it! <laughs> but I didn't know what.
1: Oh, <laughs> I know. I know that I look to you a lot for advice with my own daughter because. I became a single mom around the same time of her age as your mom did you and your mom. And although our choices and paths are very different, I still go to you because I want to make sure that I'm asking your advice. Like, well, what do you think I should do as far as Emily? how you felt and what you would have wanted or, you know, as you're talking, that's all. It's very interesting to think of that. And it reminds me that you're Mm -hmm. my go-to. On advice for her, since you guys, it's, you know, you're the grown up version of Emily, and I need you to help me get her to a good place.
0: Are you saying that I'm the grown up version of an overly sensitive and highly dramatic seven year old?
1: I wouldn't call you overly sensitive, actually, but yeah, maybe the over dramatic part.
0: My husband would call me overly sensitive, but yeah, that's neither well, here nor there.
1: Well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> We
0: need a new podcast for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Good thing there's plenty more. Mm -hmm. Your teen life with your mom, obviously, teen daughters with their mothers get a really bad rap, but for a good reason, because there's always something. And you guys had a big something to handle. So how did that then shape what followed?
0: So I i used to volunteer with the youth at my church and they I've I learned so much about the adolescent just the adolescent in general but one thing we had a, a panel of psychologists come in and uh to talk to the parents give them some insight on their growing teens and one of them was a specialist in blended families and she said <clears throat> that the most difficult ages to blend a family is ages 11 through 14 and my two I have two stepsisters and when we all got together the youngest was 11 I was 13 and the oldest we were in the same grade but she was six months older than me so I think she was 14 by that time and that just set us off into (laughs) the messiness of a blended family and then on top of that neither my mom or her husband were like doing extensive research on how to healthfully blend a family. So they really didn't have a good idea of whose rules should be followed. If they should have rules together, if they should have rules separately, how they should treat their own children, how they should treat their stepchildren. It was just, it was a mess. And in that my, i was treated very differently than my stepsisters. My my stepfather is a very hard-headed man. So like his rules are his rules. He wasn't going to change them because my mom had different ones. So whatever his rules were for his daughters, he maintained them. My mom, however, maintained the rules that she had for me and then also took on the rules that he had for his daughters. So I had all the rules in the house. And his daughters were only there every other week. I was there full-time. And so my childhood was very much, uh, it was just, it was a shower of shame. If I could label it, whatever I did was never good enough. I was often compared to my stepdad's oldest daughter who always had straight A's and always did all these great things. And it was never... Oh, wow, Sierra, like you're doing great too. Cause I had great grades. I was a goody two shoes. So I wasn't drinking. I wasn't sleeping with my boyfriends. I was the (laughs) most prudish little girl that any mother could ever dream of. And other mothers would tell my mom how lucky she was, but she didn't see that. She, I don't really know what happened, but she looked at my faults. I think a lot more throughout that time period And my, I, I think, well, I know my stepdad would tell her things about me that I think painted a picture in her mind that was different than what it used to be. So he would say like, well, she needs to fill in the blank. And if I didn't perform that way, my mom would start to think that I wasn't good enough or that I didn't love her. Um, My mom is also an Enneagram too, which is like the fear of not being loved. And so a lot of my, Teen life. I can see that that fear came into play with all of the mm. rules that yeah. I was given. Yeah, that's if that makes really sense, interesting
1: and a lot to, <laughs> that we could dive into and think about.
0: I know, like I don't even know where to start. It was so. It was such a messy childhood. Yeah. That's the, the. And that's, that's interesting. The, the, version.
1: the you know sometimes I wish that I would have had my mom take the Enneagram test because sometimes I wonder if she was also a two like me because the biggest fear be of being unloved and I felt like she similar to like what you're saying about your mom. And then they cling when they get scared like that.
0: <laughs> oh they get clingy. I won't lie, I
1: get clingy. <laughs> and then <laughs> so what how has obviously you got out of that you've talked about how you guys went to therapy together and you're on a much better path. How how did you get there? How do you even approach that after kind of Having a really rocky time.
0: So the funny thing is that my, as my teenage years, I didn't even realize how bad it was. It wasn't until I went away to college that I was like, holy cow, that was not a good childhood in the heart of it. It was just, it was my norm. It was my everyday, And so I didn't really think anything of it, but then I went to college and I was like, that was crap. I don't know why I was treated like that. I should have been praised for how freaking awesome I am because I'm so cool. So like, yeah, there's definitely like a bit of my ego coming into play here, but still I did have a tough childhood. And so it wasn't until I was in college that I started realizing it. So it wasn't until college that I started pushing my mom out. When when I was dating Tim, my Marine boyfriend, when I first went to college, he was from my hometown. And when I'd come back... He lived up in Orlando with me also. And so when we – not with me. I was a good 2 shoes We didn't live together. But when we would come back home to Clearwater, I would go and see his family, and I wouldn't even tell my mom I was there because I didn't want to put up with her. I didn't want to talk to her. And then after I graduated college, oh, there was just – college got super messy. One of the messiest things I remember is that the weekend I graduated – was April 9th. I graduated on April 9th and April 10th was Mother's Day. And it also was my husband's birthday.
1: It's May. All of those things are in May. Nope.
0: May. (laughs) May is May is the yep. (laughs) All of those are in May. I graduated Mother's Day and my own husband's (laughs) birthday that I apparently forgot is May and not (laughs) April. Anyway, it was May 9th and 10th. I graduated on May 9th and May 10th was Mother's Day and Jay's birthday. And at the time, Jay and I had only been dating for two years. So like we weren't, you know, married or even engaged or anything. it was kind of on again, off again. So I can get why my mom would get jealous. But I spent Mother's Day with him because it was his birthday. It was his 21st birthday. So we really needed to celebrate that. And not to mention, I wasn't close with my mom. So I didn't want to spend Mother's Day with her. And so on the day I graduated, my dad was in town with one of my cousins. Jay was in town and my mom and grandma were all there. Everybody was there. And for whatever reason, my mom left my college graduation early. I'm, I think maybe she saw me walk. I don't remember. But they were like, oh, you know, grandma needed to get back to the hotel, which like, no, she didn't. My grandma loved me. She would have wanted to be there all the way through. So it was just... Like my mom left my college graduation early. I had no desire to spend Mother's Day with her. It was just, that was our relationship. And so when I did graduate and I moved to California, it's funny because you said you went to New York kind of as an escape. California was 100% my escape. It was, I need to get away from this tumultuous family. There, It is so toxic. I do not, nothing about Florida at the time was good for me. And so I ran far, far away. And because I was three hours behind and 2,000 miles away, I didn't have to talk to her that often. And we kind of just didn't. So that was where it got super messy. And it wasn't, we had to work through all of that before we really got to the healing. So how
1: do you even approach when you've gotten that far removed? How do you even approach getting to therapy? Because therapy is not an easy thing for anybody to approach or get to, I feel.
0: Well, luckily for me, my mom had gone to therapy. She had put me in therapy when I, I think right before we moved to Florida, when I was about Emmeline's age. Yeah. So therapy in her mind isn't bad. So I, I had that going for me. And also by the time I made it back, I was in California for eight years and we had, you know, the four years of college that was super messy too. So we were going on 12 years of, of a toxic relationship. And by that point, I mean, just how, how much I loved my relationship with my mom when I was a kid, she loved it too. I mean, like I was her everything. And so she wanted it back just as much as I did. And I think she was willing to do anything for it more so than I was. So we had, we'd gone to therapy once when I was in California and I came back to visit she found a therapist and we went and that didn't really go well. Cause it was just the therapist telling me that I was right and that my mom was wrong. And like, that's not well, going to get the therapist. <laughs> Yeah. So she really, she just felt more hurt after that. But then when I moved to Florida, I found a therapist that I really love who sees both sides, even if he doesn't agree with both sides. Cause we know he knows that my side is right, yeah, but course. he didn't let my mom know that
1: <laughs> as a good therapist should.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Any therapist knows my side's always right. One of the things about the way that I viewed my relationship with my mom is that because we were each other's everything for so long, when I became a teenager and she started putting her husband before me, I carried a lot of anger and resentment towards that because She had always prioritized me. And that's a huge part of the reason that I loved her and respected her so much when I was little. And now all of a sudden I wasn't her priority. And I think still to this day, she would say that that was just the way it needed to be. I didn't get to be her priority anymore. And that killed me for so long. And I kind of had to come to grips with that on my own. Because like now even if I had said this to you two years ago, I would say it with anger. I would be so pissed that I wasn't her priority. But now when I'm saying it, I'm like, yeah, well, not her priority, but she's the one with this, with the doofy husband. No. So if that's her priority, she can have it. But yeah, so I think what, when we finally did go to therapy, we really had to work through understanding each other's hurts. And the biggest thing that, we were able to understand is that everything we were doing was just all of the ways that we were acting out and fighting and everything was out of a desire to connect again, the way we had when we were younger. Mm. And so I think once we realize we both have the same goal, we're just annoyed because we don't think the other one does, but we both really do love each other. And we can start to approach our relationship from that perspective instead. And once we did, it changed things drastically.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at any relationship, especially when, you know, a marriage is a conscious decision to have that relationship. And us as mothers of young children, that's not even conscious. That's just kind of, at least for me, it feels like just a natural thing, but any other relationships in our lives, whether it's our parents as adults, or siblings, or whoever else that's really close to us, you kind of, there's so much that can pull us away from it nowadays, whether it's the past, or distance, or time, or whatever, busyness. When you're even talking with my brother the other night, we really have to make that, both of us have to make that conscious effort that we really want to make that relationship something important in our lives, and then that's how it works and goes forward.
0: Yeah, and I, I do... If my mom wasn't willing to put in the same work that I was willing to do, our relationship wouldn't be back to the place that it is now.
1: Yeah. But that's any relationship. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, any relationship, is it It has to be mm-hmm. two sides.
0: It absolutely has to be. And so I feel like if anybody is struggling because they feel like they've done everything and they don't know what else to do, you can't beat yourself up for that. Even your marriage was like that. You put in the effort as much as you possibly could. and. If, if you're not being met, it's what a relationship is. It's about relating to one another. It's not about, I think a lot of people in this world approach life from a very selfish perspective of how can this serve me? And it's not even, I do it too. I'm not, oh yeah, I'm not saying like, oh, those people out there. Even today, I when I was talking to Jay, I realized I'm approaching this very selfishly. I've been a jerk to you all week thinking that you need to be better for me when really I need to be the best the best human that I can be to you and hope that you meet me in the same way. And that is how you can coexist. But if you're only thinking about yourself, the relationship is not, doesn't have room to heal.
1: And the cool part is of you putting in the work to be your best you or my best me, whoever the general you is that you can't regret it because no matter what the outcome is, you're living at your highest self. So things are going to be okay. No matter what it, it doesn't even matter what the other person puts in. Of course, it's if they're putting it in too, then the relationship thrives. But you're then living your best life to, you know, quote, a sometimes kind of silly <laughs> or overused quote. But it, it makes you feel better and do better because you're putting in the work for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can go to bed at night knowing that you gave it your best. Yeah. And that's pretty important.
1: So I have... A few fun questions for you before we bring our guest on about your relationship with your mother. What is your favorite outfit of hers that you can remember?
0: Oh my gosh. I wish that this was video so you could see my initial reaction. Because <laughs> the first things that come to my mind are all of the outfit choices that I wish she'd never wore.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's the point. I, that's what I want to know. Oh. Oh, okay, the okay. Best,
0: the best. um so my my mom is a hairdresser. she has very bold fashion choices, and so it really is a toss up between when she was a fifty something in a buccaneer's mini skirt. Yes, drove me crazy, <laughs> but I think the real winner would be she came to visit me in l a and we went to a show, and she had these. Black and white striped pants. They looked like Beetlejuice pants. And I was introducing her to some friends in LA and I was just mortified. They were so sweet and complimented them. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe my mom wore Beetlejuice pants. And they were like, No, I like them. I'm like,
1: oh, I okay. I mean, your mom can pretty much rock any fashion. I think like she's
0: it's true. If anybody can get away with it, it's her. Yes. Like she definitely
1: makes it look okay, but. I can, I have the Beetlejuice pants. (laughs) That's probably my favorite. My other fun question for you is, what song reminds you of your mom?
0: Oh my gosh. I love that question. Oh man, we have so many songs. But the entire, the entire cassette of Gloria Stefan in 1990, (laughs) pick any song from there. And that is me and my mom. She got me. She played Gloria Stefan all the time, and whenever it came on, I would sing to it, and she would sing to it, and when she sang, I'd be like, no, mama, I'm singing. Oh, yeah, there <laughs> you go, starting Cut her off, which Arrow does to me now. Anytime I listen to Gloria Stefan now, I want to put my hair in a scrunchie and sing in a brush in the car with my mom. Oh, I love
1: that. I can visualize that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story about your mom and yeah. you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, are we ready to bring oh. in our special guest, our first in Raw Life guest? Bring her in from the other room.
0: All right, let me go get her. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. Come on in, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest is. My mom! Say hi, mom! Hi, mom!
2: (laughs) (laughs) I had to. I had to.
0: No, it's perfect. I'm (laughs) so glad. Everyone, this is my mom, Ginny. I call her mom. You can call her Lolly. That's what my son calls her. Actually, you can call her whatever you want, but we thought, what better guest for the Why Are We Jerks to Our Mothers episode than my very own mother? Ta-da! So, Mom, we filmed the first half of this episode, and I don't know if if your ears were ringing or not, but we were gossiping all about you in the first half. Uh, And we kept you out of the room just so that I would lay out my version of our story with no filter. So now... We have questions for you, a little bit about me, a little bit about my grandma, your mom, but hopefully you don't filter it too much, even though I'm in the room. We're just going to have some questions and have some fun, but first we want to dive into a rawality check. Jessica, you want to explain the rawality check?
1: So our rawality check is how we start our episodes, and that means that we kind of check in with each other and see what's really going on in our lives, maybe that day, that week, it can be a really awesome thing is going on, but sometimes we really like to share the not so great stuff just to let everyone know that we all have crappy days. We all have crappy moments in our really great days. And it's okay to talk about that stuff so that everyone knows oh, nobody's life is perfect. We're all in this together.
0: That being said, mom, do you want to tell us about your day? Give us a reality check about what happened to you today.
2: Well, it started off going to church and that was really good because I count my blessings every day and the biggest thing I have found in my later part in life the blessings that I have and with that being said is yes I have some days that I never like to say the word bad Mm -hmm. I like to say they're rough days and there's some days that are rougher than others but what I found one day, when I was down with a bad cold, you I really, just said the word "bad," Not a rough cold, a bad cold. I realized God has blessed me with more good days than rough days or sick days, mm-hmm. and even when I do have a rough day, I know that there's more good days ahead. My problem is is I just turned sixty last year, and I more often than not are wondering how many days I have left here on Earth. Because right now, life is good. Life is really good. And I'm seeing more blessings. The more I look, the more I see. Dr. Wayne Dyer had this thing on Instagram, uh, a meme, that said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I didn't understand what it meant. So then it was, I don't know, a couple of months later, the meme popped up again, and for some reason, it clicked. Ah, if you look at something and you go, oh, that's bad, or that stinks, or that's whatever, you'll start seeing more of it. But if you change and start looking at the good, you start seeing more good. And I start seeing more good, and there's more good in my life, and I'm enjoying my life here more than ever. And I feel so blessed, but now I'm going, what do I have? Do I have a good 20 more years? And why am I (laughs) dwelling on this?
0: Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that we all struggle with those thoughts and don't talk about it enough because the other day I was telling Jay, my husband, about all of these, these really, I morbid thoughts, you know, like what happens if I die? Like what's going to happen to the kids? What's going to happen to you? And I'm like, I don't know why I'm so consumed by this. And he, what helped me so much was him saying, you know, I have those thoughts too. Cause I was starting to think, Oh my depression, you know, like I'm such a sad sap. Why are these thoughts going through my head? So I think it's cool that you chose to share that because I think we all have those thoughts and feelings, but not, we don't talk about it often enough. So thank you. And I'm really glad that your life is where it's at. I love, I love your life right now too, because we get to be such a great part of it. So you'll be around for a few more years.
2: I'm pretty certain. (laughs) Well, I am trying to also be more productive and, and, and have more moments in my life instead of just sitting in front of the TV or, Or just wasting time. Yeah. You know,
0: that's awesome. That's really funny that you say that too, because lately I just think like,
2: oh
1: man,
0: like sometimes I just miss you so much and I just want to be with you, which I mean, you heard the story earlier. (laughs) Like I never used to feel that way. We had some really rocky moments in, in our relationship, which we'll dive into in a minute. But, but now I find myself wishing that we lived a little closer so that we could spend more time together because I like that's funny, I feel the same way. I'm craving more moments with you versus oh away, which is really neat. So okay, well, let's dive into the heart of it then. First, because this is a show all about mamas, before we talk about us, let's talk about your mama. My grandmama. Uh how would you describe your relationship? Tell us the arc of your life with
2: grandma. Oh, that could take a while. <laughs> well <laughs> Let's start back when I was around, we'll we'll say seven, eight years old. My father was a drunk, and he was a mean drunk. And there was many times that the police would get called in because he would abuse my mom. And there would—I remember there was one time where I had to call the police. My mom said, "Call the police." As soon as he hits me, well, he was getting ready to hit her and I called and I'll never forget she was mad at me because he never did hit her, but because the police came. But then there was another time where she was crying because of him. And I just remember sitting on the bed, hugging her and wishing I was an adult because if I was, I would know what to do. And I really felt then I grew up. I couldn't spend the night without crying to go home because I was always afraid something would happen. Went to my mom when I wasn't there. Then as I got older, I got angry. How dare her make me be this adult? She had no idea. Except when I was 14, now she's divorced from my dad and she's dating my stepdad who was a bonus, who was just an amazing man. She came to me at around 14 and said, you know, in a few years, you're going to go out and live your life. I've taught you right from wrong, so I'm going to live my life. And at 14 is when you need your mom. But at 14, I didn't realize it. I was like, okay, cool. You know, but then she didn't keep track of me in school, and and I ditched school, and I wasn't accountable. And I did ask her to put me in a pro-girl school, but she couldn't afford it because that way they would keep better track of me, you know. I I don't know. So I had a lot of anger issues with her for many years. But I look back now, and I think about the trips my mom and I made going from Colorado to California. I was, uh, the first time I remember I was 15, I had, no, 14 and we drove out and we just really had a good time. I've got great memories with that. I won't go into all the stories. And then the second year, I had my learner's permit. And I remember we were driving through the mountains and it was just two lane road because they were building the the interstate and there was it was at nighttime, and you couldn't see the windy road, and I had a trail of cars behind me, but she patiently just said, just take your time. Don't worry about it, and, and really some great memories of quality time with my mom being the road trip. Another one, we were, I was a grown adult, and we were going to Albuquerque, and instead of having cassette tapes books on tape. She read while I was driving and I read while she was driving oh. a book, which was fun. Yeah. You know, I just I know just know that if I could do have a do over, I I don't think I would have been so angry at her in my twenties and thirties as I was mm, all right,
0: so this is what our episode is all about. is about being a jerk to our moms, so I know you have moments of well i won't I won't fill in the blanks for you, so why don't you explain how were there moments where you were a jerk to
2: your mom? Oh, yeah, when I was a teenager, I ran away from home on her birthday. <laughs> yeah, on her birth- birthday, yeah, I forgot it was her birthday. I ran away, but I came back, and then she reminded me that it was her birthday. Yeah, yeah. didn't get any jerkier.
0: Than that. Happy birthday, mom! <laughs> yeah, and then so as you got older, and did you come to a place of forgiveness with her? Yes. When did that happen?
2: Probably around the time she got sick. That I I had to learn to forgive her because, and then more so after she was gone that I realized my mom, her name was Janet. Janet was a mom who did the best she knew how as Janet. But we tend to put our moms up here on this pedestal. And because you're a mom, you're supposed to want to do this. You're supposed to be this way. You're supposed to know this. You're supposed to be this mom that I have in my head. And my mom, it took losing her to realize my mom was just, a human being, and she was a good mom.
0: So, on the flip side of that, how does it feel being a mom of an adult child who's not always
2: the kindest to you? Well, I just know there was many times I told her after her grandmother died.
0: Wait, who? Who are you talking
2: You. To? About oh, okay. you. Okay. <laughs> Uh, when her grandmother died that just make sure you you don't have any regrets my husband had had told me when grandma would come out to visit that you know he's like just make sure you when she's gone that you don't have any regrets and that was really something good that he told me because I know that I really had some good times the last few years of her life with her yeah sometimes I would get short with her but she's around. I don't know why we feel entitled that we can do that. Yeah. You know. I know but we do it. That's what that's the whole reason that
0: spawned this idea for this episode is the fact that even when we love our moms, sometimes we are just a jerk for no reason because I don't know, sometimes it feels like hormones. I can I blame hormones here?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we can, but you know, in the first half of this topic I actually did some research a little bit on why we are like this to our mothers and what the mother-daughter relationship is like. And part of it is, you know, I talked with Sierra about it. The people that we are most comfortable with and we know will love us no matter what, whether we think it or not, but we know it deep down inside. That's who we feel most comfortable with to be jerks to, and that is really hard because you know, I I think about this a lot in just any of the relationships in my life. About, but how can I get past? human nature to treat those people the best because they're the ones that matter the most and who are going to be around no matter what.
0: What have you come up with?
1: I've been trying as of this year. That's one of my... I don't like to do resolutions or yearly goals, but just kind of a theme, I guess. And I definitely have been very adamant about making sure that I, at the very least, text those key people in my life and check in with them at least once a week because... Even I, who'm usually a pretty good communicator, am terrible at keeping up with people if they don't keep up back with me. But I'm making I'm making sure that I'm actually communicating with them, no matter what I get back, because they are really important to me, and I care about them, and I know that they love me too. You take them
2: for granted, right? We all do that. Yeah, everybody we, does. We take them for granted, you know. And the biggest thing is is it, and you probably can relate to this, Jessica, is is you take them for granted that they'll be there tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting listening to your story about your mom and towards the end. And I definitely, I knew that she was working on herself and I was working on myself too over the past probably five years or so doing a lot of really good work and both of us getting better ourselves. But it was like ingrained in me to be a jerk to her from, you know, whatever we went through when I was younger and a teenager. And even when she really, really didn't deserve it at all, I still was sometimes. And it definitely, it stinks after the fact, you know, I went through like all of her stuff because I had to clean out her apartment and all of the stuff came to my house. And I was going through it to weed through what I can keep and try to get rid of everything else because I've really tried to be very minimalistic in my life. And like going through her journals and her pictures, it reminded me that I knew these stories. She was so cool when she was younger. She traveled the world. She loved people and she loved talking and she loved adventure and just having fun and she was smart and like I kind of forgot that about her and going through her stuff it's like she burned so bright and then that's that was her time that was her part in this world and I wish that I would have realized more of who she was and let her be that person in my life too and then we could have had some more fun together
0: yeah. <laughs> Jessica, thank you for sharing that. I just ah,
1: oh, both of you guys.
0: That's I, I can't imagine what it's like to live without a mom, and I don't want to anytime soon. So don't freaking go anywhere. Yeah, let's let's
1: make that happen. Yeah.
0: So, whew, my least favorite part of these podcasts is when I re-listen for the editing process and start crying. So,
1: no, I know. Well, I mean, it's hard to to try to not blubber. When we talk about certain things, and then listening to it, editing it, and then crying—that's <laughs> when that's when we can let it all out.
0: <laughs> on a on a lighter topic, let's uh, talk about our relationship. How would you? <laughs>
1: on a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny for all of us.
0: <laughs> are you a mama, or are you hoping to be one very soon? I want to tell you about one of the tools that has transformed motherhood for me. It's the Expectful app. Expectful is an app that brings you guided meditations specifically centered around parenthood. I'm not even slightly exaggerating when I tell you it kept me sane during my very stressful final day as being pregnant with gray. Expectful meets you at the stage you are in, whether that's being pregnant or rearing the babies. It even has meditations for seasons of IVF or infertility. And the best part is you can try this all for free. Expectful usually gives you a seven day free trial, but I got us a special code just for our listeners for a 14 day free trial. All you have to do is go to expectful.com slash in raw life. Don't worry. You can find that link in the show notes. And if you end up loving it as much as I do, you can support this small business with the cost of just one Starbucks a month. If you can't afford it, Expectful will work with you so that you can get a subscription for free. That's what it's all about right there. Support your mental health, Mama, because when you're mentally well, you parent well. Oh, man. <laughs> How would you describe our relationship?
2: Better. Better. Now. We're getting there. Now. Yes. What about Absolutely. the the whole thing? The whole thing. It was really good. Up until around you turning 18, you know, and it was funny because, you know, I'm a hairdresser and clients would say, oh, wait till they're a teenager, wait till they're a teenager. She becomes, or wait till she's in middle school. In middle school, fine. She's great, you know, except for, you know, the hormones were starting to kick in, but that was not a problem. I mean, she, we were good. Good kid. We still had a really good relationship. There, you know, when you were about 16, yeah, you, you know, you're a little bit a teenager, and you, you really just wanted more of me. And um, I just, you know, I just did the best that I knew how. And then when you turned 18, it was like, Mom, well, you don't know anything. You didn't go to college. Even I said that? Fr- yes, you did. Oh. Even my friends... Call you the crazy mom. (gasps) I always thought I was, you know, the kids came to my house. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I said all this to you. Yes. Woo. Wow. I'm kind of glad
1: that my mom can't tell me what I said to her.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, and the, the time that you, when I reminded you shortly after that, you said that your college friends called me the crazy mom, probably from you telling them whatever, And yeah, maybe I was a little crazy because I had a not so nice daughter that when we addressed it with you one time, shortly after you were like, I didn't say that they called you crazy, just something about that you were kind of crazy or whatever. And I was like, okay, that really doesn't make any sense. Well,
0: let me apologize for that now. (laughs) I'm really sorry that I said all that. That's pretty terrible. Jessica, I don't, I don't have questions. I'm floored at my past (laughs) self. (laughs) You jump in Um, here. You give her a question.
1: Well, I don't have questions about that time of life. I'm really interested in just because we kind of have this similarity in our lives is when you became a single mom and that journey for you and what you went through being a single mom myself.
2: Right. Yeah. Being a single mom was um it was tough but we you know, we her and I were very, very close. I knew that I kind of dragged her through a lot of relationships, which I told her that someday she'd probably need counseling and that she would blame me. And which I, t- I did. And I told her it was okay. <laughs> I did. I don't know if she remembers that, I but do. I did. I said, You will probably blame me and it's okay because mm. I just I you know fell in love a lot because I was in love with love you know I still tried to do right but you did the best you could I did the best I could as Jenny who's a mom and a human and a human well and so now that I look back on my life and the obstacles and the things that I also brought on myself I'm like now All I can do is try and do the right thing.
0: So, would you say that our relationship has changed since I was in college?
2: Yes. Okay. But that would be just as of recent. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And... I still me put, shoot you text are you mad at me she does she'll send me text sometimes like
0: she'll send me a text and then 30 minutes later another text and then 30 minutes later another text and say what's going on why are you mad and i'll be like mom i've got three kids screaming and i say three because one of them is my husband just give me a minute
1: <laughs> but see we have those when, when it's such a long period of time where we have those rea- those certain reactions to especially the people who are closest to us We don't know how to like. It's like we have to rewire that to realize she's probably just busy right now. Not that she's mad at me, but it used to be that she was mad at me. So that's what I automatically go
2: to. Right, right. It used to be. I totally get that. I said something wrong. I might have just worded something wrong that she just did not like to hear. So she wasn't answering me. Mm -hmm. And there were times that she did stuff that she was mad at me, and I had no reason. There was, I think, the last time you were mad at me. I didn't even know it. Oh, yeah. I think that happened a few times. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know it because as far as I knew, she was pretty much mad at me all the time, but there were times she wouldn't talk to me and come to find out she was mad at me and I didn't know what for. No idea. Yeah. I think in that part of
0: our relationship, communication wasn't a strong point at all. And I think that, like, for me, I was putting up boundaries. I'm like, I can't talk to her because I can't. I can't speak sense into you. Like I thought for whatever reason, like we weren't, we wouldn't, we weren't coming together no matter what was happening. And so I put up these boundaries, which really was blocking you out. So it wasn't the healthiest of boundaries, but I think we really, how, why, why do you think we overcame that?
2: Dr. John.
0: <laughs> That's my therapist.
2: <laughs> Dr. I love John. that though. Yeah. And, and there was, we were talking, she had me go first And I told her, I said, you know, I could do, say, ten things for her. And one of them I wouldn't do right. It wouldn't matter that I did nine things right for her. It was that one thing I did wrong. And then she, then when it was her turn to talk, this is what I remember, was she was telling me, well, you know, such and such mom does this, and such and such mom does that. So it didn't matter what good stuff I did, the fact that I wasn't, doing what these other moms were doing and then dr john looked at you you and i were looking at each other so i didn't realize and he said don't you think your expectations are a little high and i think i might have just said something so we weren't sure who he was talking to so we turned and I was like, "Please don't be talking to me. <laughs> Please don't be talking to me." And he said, "No, it was Sierra." And I thought, "Thank you." She needs to hear it from a third party. Mm-hmm. That your expectation. I'm I'm trying, man. I'm I'm doing the best I can. But no matter what, even when I felt I really went above and beyond, it still wasn't good enough. I do remember at one point. I don't think you were there. He said,
0: "Maybe that it's it's funny you." Said you basically said the same thing earlier about grandma. He said that maybe she's doing her best. And that really gave me a shift of perspective because I did, I think from my hurts throughout my childhood, I held a lot of things against you and then you could do no right because I was still holding all this other stuff against you. So it was, it was really refreshing to flip that and look at like, no, you're doing your best with what you've been given. And we had a lot of things to overcome the whole, all 20 plus years at 30, I guess at that time of hurts. But we, I think what was really cool is that you were willing to go to therapy with me. You were willing to be patient through all of that. And you were willing to hear what he had to say to to you just as much as I was having to hear what he had
2: to say to me. Well, the best part was when we made the second appointment, and as we're pulling into the parking lot, you said, I don't know why we're here. Yeah. And I was like, well, that, I was thinking the same thing, but I just wanted, it was like, let's just make sure. Yeah. You know, Aww. because I still kind of walk on eggshells. I'm sorry. Because I just, I don't know if I'm going to upset you. Well. But those are getting less and less. Less, less eggshells, less jokes. <laughs>
0: lucky for you, I have a terrible memory, so i I only remember it then
2: now
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and I love in the earlier part of this episode when Sierra and I were just talking about her childhood and growing up, you know, I met Sierra in college, so it was a time when you guys from what she I she was know, one of the
0: ones that called you crazy.
1: I don't think I was first of all I almost interjected earlier and I was like no, I, that's just putting it out there then. Anyway, (laughs) like from my perspective, probably the least communicative time between the two of you, maybe. Yes, yes, yes. And I had my own strange relationship with my mom, so I understood her side of it as being two 20-somethings or whatever we were. Right. And then interviewing her and talking about her childhood with you and talking about how you were her hero, and I was like, that's... And like, I know how your relationship has what what it is now and how it's grown so much back together and how beautiful it is. And I, I don't know, I just really, it's cool to see that and know that what I first knew of it is really just a small blip on the long timeline of your relationship. It was just a moment, and we've gotten through that, I think, pretty well. Oh, yeah. And teaches you lessons. Those things sometimes teach us the best lessons.
2: Yeah. Well, I even tried to tell my husband that you know, during our time of, of trouble, that sounds like a country song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I get it from. He, uh, you know, he just didn't understand, you know, that our relationship was so we're constantly struggling and why couldn't we just get along? And I said, it's so common for mother and daughters it's not the same as a father and daughter relationship, and he's like, "Well, my daughters don't have any problems with their mama." Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't even know what yeah. world are you in? <laughs> and it's funny because, okay, one of our guilty pleasures is Judge Judy. We record it, and I can't tell you how many times the mother is suing the daughter, or the daughter is suing the mother, and you see it. You it, most of the time they want that relationship one of them is usually ends up crying but i'm like oh thank god my daughter never took me on <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: thank god <laughs> you know yeah i'm pretty sure that my great aunt once sued my great grandmother like her mother over oh really something once like a car accident or something
2: oh my
0: gosh I,
1: yeah mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Did, did they go on Judge Judy? They did
1: not, because I think this was before Judge Judy's time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if it wasn't, they would have been there.
1: There they would be. So, now that
0: our relationship is mended and in a really healthy place, I think. <clears throat> what?
2: It's, yeah, it's no not? it is. I'm, yeah, I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. I'm kidding. That was a real clear. clearing it's of the There's still some kinks to work out, but I find it's your generation because I talk with my clients about how, it's, it's funny how I we can shoot texts out to you guys and it takes hours, sometimes days, before you respond. You guys text us and within minutes we answer you and if it's, you want more, you text us right back. But if you answer us, then the next time we text you, when you answer our text, And then we text you back. I hope I'm making sense. Then it's like another hour or two before you get back. But if you guys need something, you're on it. You're on it. You're texting us. You're calling us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have nothing to say that's accurate.
1: I- I found the same complications in online dating.
0: So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh,
1: oh no! But that's a whole different subject.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> another generation error. there. Isn't that called ghosting? <laughs> Yes, I ghost you. Oh, yes. Really. Oh, you yeah. strong. It's a sad thing in society. It I know. is sad. I don't mean to. I'm not. I'm not purposefully doing it. I... It's not just you. I know. Jessica
1: okay. us a tune. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm to pull you in because you're a millennial. I do my best um, not to do that, although I totally did it with my mom. See?
0: Yep. Okay. Well, now that our relationship is mended, even though there's some ghosting, <laughs> how does it feel when I am short with you? The other day, when I came over and you were like, Oh, are you hungry? And I was like, No, for no reason. I just was super rude about not being hungry at dinner time and I felt like a jerk about it. How does that feel when I treat you like that, when I'm short with you?
2: Uh, did I react? I don't think I did because I didn't. I don't sometimes realize it, I guess because I'm used to it. I apologized to about it. You did that, and that was really caught me by surprise because we were in the bedroom, and you were like, "I'm so sorry, mom, for being short with you." And what did I say to you? I don't remember. You don't remember (laughs) it. Sierra, you're the worst. No, I, I have an excuse. Let the
0: record reflect that she just made a drinking motion.
2: And, and I remember I said to you, I, yeah, I did the same thing to my mom, but I, the fact that you were aware of it and you apologized that it's like, I cause I really didn't notice. I just noticed if you were short with me, I, I just take it as you got a lot of stuff going on in your life. Hmm. So I didn't take it personal. Well, thank you. I think that's a really healthy approach to yeah. a very normal situation. Because I, I sometimes I go at you. That's true. You know? Because it's like, I can't do this. But I'm I'm trying and I'm trying to find more um patience. I don't pray for it. Mm-hmm. Because then they only get more. I try to have more compassion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well do you have any more questions for her, Jessica, before we get into
1: So something yeah. So something that I've definitely you know, had thought about this a lot in my life over the years, even when I was younger. And I thought about it a lot recently. And I even heard Brene Brown on some interview talking about it a little bit. But, you know, I always figure, especially now that I'm a parent, I I want to do better than my parents. And I want to learn from what they did that I like that they did and what I don't like that they did. And I always hope for better for my daughter, Emmeline, in the future. And especially when she's a parent then one day or just in her life in general. So I have two questions for you. Okay. The first is, what is the best lesson that you learned from seeing your mom be a mom? And then what do you hope Sierra gets the best lesson she might learn from you? Whether it's doing the same or doing opposite. The
2: best lesson I learned from watching, from my mom...
1: Yeah, whether it was, you know, oh, that's what you wanted to emulate and be, or you wanted to run the other way and do
2: the opposite thing. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Good question. To be there independent, to be independent and and know that I could make it on my own, which I have done all my life, and and I only had one kid, and she had three. Mm Mm-hmm. And then what was the second one? What not so I wouldn't do. What
1: What do you well? What do you hope that Sierra like the best lesson she learns from you? Whether it's to do what you did or to not
2: do what you did. Yeah, not to do <laughs> what I did. But I I I just I think just to be just to she's amazing already. The the, the fact that I get to watch her with two kids because you are like me one kid and now i'm learning what it's like to deal with with two kids and and if if i could wish for her for anything is just to be very patient and compassionate and yeah because when she was younger i i had to go to a therapist cuz i yelled at this 3 year old And I'll never forget the therapist was like, well, I yell at my two-year-old. I go, no, you don't understand. She cringed like I was hitting her. That's how bad I would yell at her. And I went to a therapist just because I go, this child does not deserve this kind of yelling. And I don't want her to be that this way. And that's what you learn when you're brought up that way. And so that, and I've come a long ways. I don't hardly yell like I used to I used to yell but that's how I grew up was you yelled and you cussed and you yelled some more so that's the one thing that you know I I kind of watch in the background how she handles her son and there's sometimes I'm like oh she doing doing good (laughs) doing good I get a little nervous you know she's about to break watch out (laughs) scoreboard yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no she she really does pretty good
1: but to give you a little grace i feel like even the most patient of us break sometimes i know i yeah. do i've
0: screamed at her, and then
1: i beat myself up about it and then i realized that you know if sierra and i talk and she's like no i totally do too sometimes i'm like okay i don't need to beat myself up about it because it's just human nature, but I do need to do better.
2: Right. Yeah, but when you've got a three-year-old that's doing, really, crouching down, because yeah. it's like, it's almost, it's it's just, it, it's not worse than being actually struck. You're verbally abusing. Not that I would put her down or anything, but I was just yelling at her to stop doing yeah. whatever. Well, yeah, seeing it
1: physically affect her is, yeah,
2: that's hard. Yeah.
1: I think we've all been there though. I mean, I think the thing
0: you probably were missing were other moms to talk to because I feel like I've definitely screamed at Arrow way louder than I wish I had and seen the fear of God in his eyes and I'm like, well, hopefully I never have to do that again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or I really pray that she doesn't remember this. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely.
1: So we've talked about a lot of
0: heavy stuff as we love to do, (laughs) but would you be willing to share with us one of the most raw moments of your life.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> great. Next question. No, I I, I would, I, as far as being a mother. It can be whatever you want it to be. Well, okay. So when Sierra was seven years old, I was the manager of a uh, hair salon in a mall. And um, I had just taken it over. It was a fairly new salon. But the, the manager was stepping down but still working there. And I can look back now and say, oh, she was definitely calling my regional manager and sabotaging any break I could try and do. So my job, I felt, a lot of times was on the line. I had a weekend where I believe it was her father's turn to have her, and he couldn't take her because I think he he had something, some event going on that he got called into work so it was up to me to deal with this situation and I had to work I I couldn't my mom lived two hours away she was unavailable sister-in-law couldn't do it I don't remember why and I had just broken up with a boyfriend who and that was one of the reasons why I broke up with him was because I was working on the weekends and He was off on the weekends and he didn't want to, he couldn't be bothered watching her. Anyway, so there's kind of the story. So I had to work this Saturday. It was, I believe, a Saturday. No babysitter. I'm going to leave my seven-year-old daughter at home. Lock her up in this apartment. And she had to call me every hour. You know, this was before cell phones. So it's just landlines and answering machines and she was not allowed to answer the phone she'd have to listen to the answering machine and if it was me then she could pick it up or someone else she knew and not to answer the door or look out the window so she did she called me every hour except there was one time she didn't call and I'm calling her, and she's not picking up, and I kind of panicked. I was hoping she was just sleeping, but, and turns out she was when she finally did call me. But who does that? Who leaves a seven year old unattended? And I, you know, I beat myself up. I still beat myself up. You shouldn't do that. I should have just called in sick, and uh, heck with the job. You really, you know, you, 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 uh, your job is more important than the life of of, of a human being, you know, but years later, here I don't know if you remember saying this, since you don't oh, remember God. anything. You did say to me, well, mom, obviously, I was good enough that you trusted me. And, and I looked back and I was like, that kind of helped a little bit that I knew that I, I could, that even the thought of it. And, and yes, she's still here to talk about it. But had um, Family Services found out, I would have lost custody of you, you know. But I i didn't have a village, you know. Nobody was there. And, and like I said, it's just, I, I have no excuse. It's just the stupidest thing I could have ever done.
1: Now I totally understand, though, as a mom of a 7-year-old who doesn't have a village really near her. You know, I have like one or two people. I don't have family or anything, so... I mean, I am lucky that I don't work weekends. I mean, it's different times. I'm pretty sure the first time I got left alone for 20 minutes or something, I was probably about that age. I remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever. And I've heard (laughs) stories of people doing it, and it kind of depends on the kid. But, I mean, I totally get the situation and being scared about losing your job because you have to take care of your kid. You
0: have to pay for that kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have to do whatever you think Is the best possible answer at the time, and sometimes you have to go with it.
2: Well, it all worked out
0: okay, so don't beat yourself up anymore. But thank you for sharing that. Well, now to end this wonderful, wonderful episode, we have for you the lightning round.
2: Done it, done it. I thought I was getting a prize. No, it is. It's the lightning round. It's the coolest thing we offer. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready.
0: Okay, what is your favorite color?
2: Colors of a sunset.
0: Yep. What's your favorite number? It's lightning round. Gotta go quick. Three. What's your favorite season? Spring. What is your favorite makeup product? MAC. What's your favorite lipstick color? Red. What's your natural hair color?
2: No, don't know. When I was younger, it was brownish red. And what is it now? Grayish. Grayish. Well, <laughs> that's so professional coming from a hairdresser. What is your favorite city? My favorite city? Paris. Who's
0: your favorite child?
2: <laughs> Arrow. Hey, no, me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you.
0: And finally, what would you put on a billboard?
2: Be kind. That is so sweet. I just be kind, and then I would put down maybe in parentheses treat people the way you want to be treated. So if you want to be mean, and I'd put all this, if you want to be mean, just know what it feels like when someone's being mean to you. And if you like that, okay, then be mean. <laughs>
0: There you're you're big a big bully.
2: Guy. You're a big bully. <laughs> yeah. But I suggest like, you don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like that she had a
1: parenthetical too. <laughs> so, okay. yeah.
0: Well, Mom, thank you so much for being the guinea pig guest on the in Left Life podcast. You. you did a great we job. <laughs> but sincerely, thank you so much for joining us and for giving us insight. I think it's really helpful for people of our generation to hear the the insight that you have coming from uh, like a mother perspective. I just, especially for those who don't have a great relationship with their mom, just hear like your side of it was really sweet. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on this two part episode about the mother daughter relationship. And thank you again, Ginny, for being our first guest on the in raw life podcast and you at home listening we would love for you to be a part of our podcast. And to do that, you can email us at podcast at inrawlife.com with an audio clip or a written message of what it means to you to be a better human.
0: And if you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts because that will help our podcast to grow you can also share a screenshot of you listening to this podcast on instagram and tag us at the in raw life podcast until next week remember that that jerk that's really annoying you might just be doing their very best
2: bye